listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, this is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 19th of March 2021. I'm Ricardo Gonsalves. Later, why the tourism sector is worried about an exodus of skilled staff and workers, but first to Australia's richest. And the Australian has unveiled its richest 250 list. First on it is iron ore magnate Gina Reinhart. She lifted her wealth by $20 billion in just one year to $36 billion, and that's thanks to record called iron ore prices and she's followed by Andrew Forrest of Fortescue Metals. He's valued at 29 billion. So for more I spoke with list editor at the Australian John Stenzolt. John how has COVID impacted Australia's wealthiest people? Look a year ago uh, the markets were falling they were plunging and people were losing a lot of money but they've actually come back really strongly since. Uh, you know, the people's wealth are up to 20 to 25% in the past 12 months. The share market's going really well. And the Pilbara has uh, meant uh, a lot of iron ore exports. There's uh, pizza boxes being delivered. So people are making money, making cardboard boxes. And uh, everyone's working from home on their PCs. So all these software tycoons are doing really, really well as well. So there's a lot of good trends coming out of it. Let's talk about the, the two biggest ones, right? To what extent has rising iron ore prices aided Australia's wealthiest people? So Gina Reinhardt is number one on the list with about $36 billion in wealth, and she's gone up $20 billion in the last year because the iron ore price has gone up so much, and share prices of iron ore companies are going up a lot as well. She's made record profits. She actually got $10 billion in debt financing only six years ago and has paid it all off. That's how well she's going. And just finally, what are the main characteristics of those 122 billionaires in the list, and, and what do they look like? What's the average person? Well, the average person is probably about 65 years old and they've made a lot of money in property or manufacturing or, uh, you know, older 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 uh, technologies like mining. But there's a lot of new entrepreneurs coming through in the tech spaces, like the Atlassian co-founders, Scott uh, Farquhar and Mike Cannon-Brooks. These are the people that are uh, the new breed of business. They're doing really well in tech companies, but they're also doing really well in uh, sharing their wealth as well. They do a lot of charity work. John Stenshold there from The Australian. He's the list editor. Now, tourism operators are worried about an exodus of staff leaving the industry as JobKeeper comes to an end. And it comes as the Bureau of Statistics said there's been a slight recovery in the number of tourism jobs in the December quarter. For more, I spoke earlier with the CEO of the Transport and Tourism Forum, Margie Osmond. Margie, data from the ABS shows a 5% rise in tourism jobs in the December quarter, but it's still down 11% at the same time last year. So just how tough is the sector doing it? Oh, look, the the industry lost something like 506,000 jobs last year, um, aggregated full-time jobs. So the pain is widespread and very, very deep, and it's being felt most, I think, in those businesses that are internationally exposed. Which parts of the industry are struggling the the most? Well, look, we are seeing a little bit of a pickup in domestic travel, and that's clearly what generated that 5% increase in jobs in the December period. Unfortunately, of course, January then sort of fell through the floor with border closures. But, you know, domestic will continue to get better. It's those businesses that are internationally exposed to the loss of international travellers, and many of those will fall into the attraction space, Um, the major cities accommodation space because we don't have any business travel either. So it's anyone who's business travel exposed uh, and anyone who's international visitor exposed. 
I guess the key point coming up is the end of JobKeeper at the end of the month. What kind of support is necessary specific for the sector, do you think, and how does this set of data support Look, I don't think there's any doubt that the whole skills, employment, availability of people issue is going to be a huge drama for the industry. Essentially, we're seeing floods of people choosing to leave and go to other sectors because they have no faith that the tourism industry will continue to be a career. Look, the best subsidy that the industry could get could get effectively, though, is the early opening of international borders. The, the sooner we see international visitors back, that's the best support we can get. But in the meantime, we hope the government still has their door open to listening to the sort of operational support businesses are going to need to still be here when those visitors come. And and what kind of operational support would that be? Look, I think the critical issue is it depends where. In some parts of the country, um, business is picking up because domestic travellers are taking up that option and starting to feel a bit more confident about borders and feeling a bit better because of the vaccination process progressing. So that's good. But I think that the the real problem is going to be for those people who are internationally exposed, how they keep their IP, their experienced staff, the people who make those experiences wonderful for visitors. And it's not as simple as just saying we can fill those jobs at some point in the future. There needs to be a level of support that allows those businesses to keep their unique staff to provide a unique product when international visitors do come back. Margie Osman there, the CEO of the Transport and Tourism Forum to the Australian share market, which fell today down 0.6% on the 200 to 6,708 for the week. It's off by 0.8% and its first weekly decline since March. Today, though, the blue chips led the declines, BHP down by 1.6%, CBA off by one2 The gold producers also fell, but some retailers like Harvey Norman and Maya Rose. More on the day's action. I spoke earlier with Kyle Rodner from IG Markets. Kyle, the market is down today. Why? Well, again, quite simply, it's bond market volatility, especially in the United States. So we got a really poor lead from Wall Street overnight, and that was due to a spike in bond yields. Um, We saw yields come down a little bit after the US Fed meeting, but for a number of different reasons, we saw, again, the markets worrying about inflation pressures and upward pressure on bond yields, which, of course, have put um, stresses on valuations on stocks, particularly growth stocks, so like the tech sector. We saw the tech sector down quite considerably on Wall Street overnight. So, again, it's still bond market volatility that's causing volatility in equity markets. And although we're off the day's lows for the most part for the uh, the ASX 200, uh, we still entered the session lower because of of a rise in yields. So adding to that, right, given we saw the jobs numbers come in earlier this week, better than expected, how serious is the market expecting an earlier rate rise than what the RBA says won't happen until 2024? Most central banks or market participants are expecting that most central banks are a sort of a non-trivial risk, I guess you could say, of increasing interest rates as soon as next year. Now, of course, most G10 central banks are telling us that that's not what they're planning to do. And the Fed highlighted that uh, in the last couple of days. And of course, the RBA said pretty much that they'll keep rates on hold until 2024. But if you look at the implied probabilities of rate hikes uh, in financial markets, most G10 uh, G10, uh, central banks uh, have priced in by the market interest rate cuts, uh, sorry, interest rate hikes in 2022. So market participants are still worried about a very hot global economy and inflation pressures coming down the line and that the punch bowls, so to speak, will have to be removed by central banks sooner rather than later. We saw preliminary retail sales numbers down 1.1% in February today from the ABS. Has that been reflected in the market? 
it had a marginal effect. The Australian dollar came off very slightly off the back of the news. Obviously, it was a little bit of a shocker report. It was expected that there'd be a slight expansion in retail sales over the month, and there was that plus 1% uh, contraction. So the Aussie was down a little bit, and if anything, it, it puts some downward pressure on our bond yields as well. But the stock market overall shrugged it off very slightly, if anything, because of the effects in the currency and, and, and the bond markets. It gave the um, ASX 200 a little bit of a boost, but it wasn't anything to really derail the fundamental outlook for, 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 for the markets of the Australian economy. And just finally, oil lost 7% overnight. What's the outlook for the commodity now? Well, it's probably a reasonably good question because there wasn't a real clear catalyst behind the move. I think personally, it was probably a bit of a narrative and a technical thing. So we had a bit of uh, stock market volatility, meaning risk assets were a little bit edgy. We also had some news of lockdowns, especially in Paris, maybe um, raising some concerns about the economic outlook. But really, it's probably one of those situations where we've seen crude prices surging for the better part of six months. From a, a momentum perspective, eventually those sorts of rallies run out and tend to correct themselves. So last night, I think it was just an opportunity to use a cliche for, for, for traders to take profits on their, their long oil positions, which were very profitable. Uh, and we saw the, uh, the price tumble just on the basis of that. Still a very strong uptrend for oil for, for now, and the outlook still very positive given the, the reopening theme and, and vaccine trade that's going on in the markets at the moment. Kyle Rodder there from IG Markets. That is SBS on the Money for this Friday, the 19th of March, 2021. You can follow me at Business Ricardo on both Twitter and Instagram. This SBS on the Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.